Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, Wendy. Hey, Wendy. Good to see you guys. Yeah, likewise. How are you? Oh, I'm good. You know, the, the holidays are upon us. Yes. Oh, boy. Here we go. Coming up very quickly, <laughs> as they always do. And every year, it seems like it's more quickly than last year. <laughs> and, having, and having four grandkids, it's always a challenge. Oh, yeah. Time just <laughs> Those little there. darlings. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy them right that's what they yeah. always say yeah michael's house was like tours are us <laughs> yeah well it's usually it's usually we tried we try not to have it look that way but that um Crazy. some of the extended family members don't always listen oh uh, when we come to don't blame me blame your mother <laughs> <laughs> now what are the age ranges of your kids michael my, uh, right now my my oldest is seven and my youngest is four so oh. they're yeah so they're Perfect in age. in the full-on toy mode you know it's interesting about and i know we're not going to talk about this today on the podcast what's interesting about with all the streaming shows that they watch is they don't really get to watch a lot of commercials and so sometimes uh, we really don't know like what toys they like you know when i was growing up that was always that's where you got your saturday morning cartoon right right so we don't we don't have that as much so i guess that's that's not a bad thing though necessarily yeah. okay well yeah. what are we going to be talking about today yeah, let's just get on to uh, the the purpose of today's podcast. Yeah, we just, have a, just have a general conversation. Yeah, we're going to talk, I think, a little bit about, we're, we're going to talk about generational planning, which which we talk a lot about, but I think we're going to try to specify a little bit on what we, we commonly term upline planning. So as our listeners know, we, we really like to work generationally with families, and I think today's podcast will help illustrate a piece of that. But upline planning is what we refer to as looking sort of up at, let's say, the generation before you when you're looking at a family's generational plan. And there's some interesting things that we'll talk about and, and some case studies that we'll probably get into in, in another podcast on how that all uh, might work. Uh, but it's it's really important, we feel, when you're doing planning for yourself, it's also important to look at maybe what uh, is going to be coming to you, let's say from an asset standpoint, maybe from mom and dad or from extended family members, and all of that can really impact your planning specifically. So that's what we're going to talk to uh, or talk a little bit about today. Yeah, and it's not as easy as it as it sounds because G one typically keeps everything close to the vest. They don't yeah. want their kids to understand or know what they have uh in fear of it's going to spoil the kids whatever it might be so it is a challenge for us sometimes as we work with g2 to, to ask about the upline scenarios the inheritances that the, both individuals might might get somewhere down the road and it's sometimes it's a challenge for us to get to mom and dad or that g1 level that's why we're psychiatrists most of the time and what we do is <laughs> it's yeah, it, it is we laugh about it but it's coaching g2 to advance that conversation with G1 for the right reasons, not because they want to understand what they have. It's they're doing planning for their kids and coordinating the generations to Michael's point becomes very critical, especially when you deal with affluent families. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, we're, we're working with quite a few families, I think right now where this is really becoming a critical think, yeah. 
uh, piece of the plan for for a variety of reasons. And I think maybe to get a little bit more specific, maybe the first place that that we start in terms of why this is important is looking at, let's say, asset protection. This is a, a theme that, again, we've talked a lot about on on this podcast. And if you're looking at your own, let's, and when I say your own, let's talk about, you know, a, a spousal relationship, you know, your planning that you might want to do for your kids. Oftentimes we see families that really want to incorporate generational asset protection as a part of that theme. And then we started to dig a little bit deeper in, in asking them how their parents, let's say, planning is done. And we very often see a a disconnect there between the asset protection themes that maybe they want to have in their plan versus what what's going to be coming to them. And that's, I think, something that's really important. It's oftentimes it's really about coordinating legal documents together, which gets back to your point that the challenges that sometimes families have with this is, you know, when you're not willing to, to necessarily communicate all of those details amongst the family, it does make it challenging to kind of look into that. But it's really important because if you have, again, in your planning, you want to incorporate, let's say, a lot of generational trusts and you want to keep assets in trust for yourselves or for your children and descendants. But mom and dad have a a document structure where everything pours out to yeah, the generation two, it makes it really hard to really kind of coordinate all of that together. And it could cause a lot of conflict in the family because there's always siblings involved typically and who's who gets what shares and how you value it. We had a case years ago where we had a, we had a client that left uh, a bunch of oil wells and, and royalties to their family. And it wasn't it, it was going to be a challenge to distribute it to seven grandkids. How do you how do you do that? So trust become an interesting part of the conversation. And a lot of the grandparents don't realize if there's an estate issue, tax issue, that they could generation skip that tax problem to the grandkids. So, Michael, you want to talk about how that well, – I guess we can kick it right into how that 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 would help G2 to G3. Yeah, well, that's that's another piece of it, yeah. too. And, and, and it, that's another complexity, unfortunately, that families have to deal with um, because, let's say, mom and dad, if they're doing their planning – you know, they might have other children to consider other than the family that we may be working with directly. And so yeah, that that there might actually end up needing needs to be different types of plans for the individual children um, of that upline generation. So when you look at and this is what well, we'll get into a little bit more of this in the uh, in the case study. But when we look at, a, a, let's say, a generation two family member that has their own federal or state estate tax exposure and we look up line or we ask that question sort of what's going to be coming down to them sometimes that could be a sizable amount of money that's that they really aren't going to necessarily need for their own planning so that's really where we talk about generation skipping is there could be trusts that are put in place that can uh that that can allow for that generation two to have access to those assets but not give them direct ownership where it would in either increase their estate or expose those assets to creditors. So again, it's we'll talk a little bit here about how to maybe broach that subject with that uh, older generation or that upline generation to maybe kind of help with your own planning. But those are some of the things that you should consider on the tax side specifically. Yeah, it's it's not, it's not only on the tax side. It's it's also the assets that G one has to G two, the fairness of those assets. Like we're we're dealing with families now where the son example runs the company and dad wants to give the company to the son. Well, how do you equalize that to the to to the to the sister that's not involved in the company? 
So a lot of the G one assets are not necessarily coordinated properly because no one knows what they have. They don't know what their documents say because no one's read them. So our, our goal is to get clarity from G1 to G2 uh, inheritance. And again, as I said earlier, sometimes that could be a challenge to get that on the table. All right, Dad, let's talk a little bit about a specific tax strategy that some families uh, may want to incorporate or may think about incorporating. And it's going to get a little bit into the weeds here, but I think it's an important topic to discuss. And we're going to b- balance between generational estate tax exposure and income tax maximization here. And it's going to families that have this issue are constantly struggling with how to maximize the stepped up income tax basis, which I'll explain in a second, versus the generational estate tax exposure that they may have. And taking advantage particularly of this increased estate and gift tax exemption that we have now under current law that's going to be expiring probably about two years or so at the end of 2025 is when this is going to expire. And this is a a technique that advisors have used and we've used with some of our families that can help maximize both of these objectives for the family. So let's let's start with the stepped-up income tax basis. Families, if you own an asset when you pass away, the basis, the tax basis of that asset steps up to the date of death value which means that your heirs can sell that asset without paying capital gain tax exposure. All right, so if you buy a, a piece of real estate uh, and then that has appreciated significantly and you pass away, your heirs can sell that asset with very little capital gain taxes because the basis of that asset steps up to the date of death value. The downside of this strategy is that those assets have to be in your taxable estate, which means you're saving on that, your family's saving on that capital gain tax. However, they're keeping the asset in their estate and it's going to be subjected potentially to estate taxes. So that's oftentimes uh, what a lot of planners, attorneys, and CPAs and other uh, advisors are trying to wrestle with is what's the best tax to pay <laughs> if we have to pay tax? What's the best one to pay? What's the lowest tax to pay? So this strategy is a way in which we can help try to create basis in an asset that the generation two might own, right? So how does this work? Let's say I, well, let's use us as an example. Let's say I own an asset that has a significantly low tax basis. And I want to essentially get that stepped up income tax basis, but I also want to keep this asset out of my estate. Because it's going to be a taxable uh, estate, or this asset's going to be a part follow of the bouncing ball, folks. This gets a little complex, but follow it. So I'm going to create a trust for my dad, and I'm going to give my dad certain powers in that trust, and I'm going to place this asset in that trust. And by incorporating that type of trust vehicle, I can uh, include that asset in my father's estate for estate tax purposes. And by doing that, I'm going to allow for that asset tax basis to step up. So what does this mean at the end of the day? Well, what we're doing is we're allowing, we're creating assets in our upline generation's estate to take advantage of that increased estate exemption. Maybe they don't have a taxable uh, estate from an estate tax perspective. So we're going to transfer assets effectively into their estate, which is going to increase their estate. However, 
they're they're going to they're not going to have any state tax exposure when they pass away. So we see this very often where we have um, again older family members in that upline generation. We may want to in generation two transfer assets to them to put them into their estate and take advantage of that estate tax <clears throat> exemption that we have, so that when they pass away, ultimately. They include it in their estate, but there's, again, no estate taxes due, but we still get that stepped-up income tax basis, meaning when I re-inherit those assets, now I have a higher income tax basis, and I've also kept that asset out of my estate. So it's, again, a little bit of a complicated strategy, but something it's that- Powerful, though. If you're, if you're somebody that has maybe a taxable estate, but your parents might not- here is a, a technique that you could work with your advisors on to essentially create that income tax basis and maximize the capital gain tax treatment, but also maximize the estate planning benefits and keeping assets out of your family's estate generationally. And, and if, 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 you, if you follow the bouncy ball of the trust itself, they usually trust we put in place their dynasty trusts. So it goes down generationally without any of that waterfall tax or any tax exposure whatsoever on those assets. So it's it's a real it's, it's a complex uh, strategy. But if you if you sit with your advisors and again, I think the key point is if your mom and dad don't have an estate tax issue, but you might as G two, that's a strategy that works extremely well. Yeah, that. But that's a nice bridge into dad. Maybe some conversations we've had with families that maybe want to incorporate some of this planning. But again, getting back to what we talked about earlier, maybe that upline generation is not, let's say, in, as willing to have these types of conversations. How, how do? What are some suggestions we can maybe give to our listeners about how to best go about doing that? Open a bottle of scotch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, really, it's really a discovery issue. It's really what drives it is G2. To G one, obviously we we have no control over that as only representing G two. So our our goal is to uh, get them comfortable having a conversation with their parents, and we guide them as best we can that this is a this is a generational commitment that we're designing for our next generation G three. We need your help to do that because you have assets that might pass to us that we're not necessarily that we don't need or it cause a problem in our estate. So we're trying to control the tax efficiencies of generations. So that's that's how we start the conversations, and hopefully there's a good enough relationship between mom and dad and, and the kids that that might help. Yeah, it's it's it, it's ultimately, I think, in, in a conversation that, the again, the generation two has to have with that first generation. But I think having us kind of help coach the generation two with having that conversation really does help a lot of times because, you know, there's always that parent child dynamic that sometimes I think, well, I guess it never really goes away. Right. Dad. I mean, we still do that ourselves every day. <laughs> so, so having that dynamic is difficult, but I think having an advisor advisory team that can help coach that generation two through that process, hopefully will help a little bit too. Again, there's no guarantees, but that's why I think generational planning is so important uh, and it obviously works best when you have all the generations that are involved in these discussions, really from the beginning, which is, I think, from our experience, we've had the the most success with these types of issues when all the generations are really together and and having the same goals with minimizing uh, or maybe maximizing rather some of this 
generational wealth transfer. Yeah, one of our families, we had a family meeting uh, last year, and about 18 family members came to that meeting, and it was G1, G2, and G3. And it was it's a, it's magnificent to see when it all comes together, the harmony that, that it creates with, with the families themselves. And, and that, I think we mentioned this in a previous podcast, but that focus of that meeting was finding who in G3 was going to be the leadership of running the family wealth going forward. And it was fascinating that some kids stepped up, some kids didn't, but we all had a dialogue about how that was going to be structured, how it was going to be maintaining control of these trusts, and trustee conversations were were were, were seriously addressed, uh, how you control all that, how you have access to these assets, how to use the assets to leverage the wealth of the family. All these conversations are powerful when you think about that whole G2 to G3 conversation, but it's difficult. And not every advisor community has the ability to do that. Again, we talk about uh, again not to not to talk about our, our our relationships at all directly, but talk about generally that a lot of the advisors that we work with are in their silos. They don't step out of that silo. They're very good at being legal counsel. They're very good at being CPAs. They're very good at managing portfolios. Very good at uh, managing risk of a family. But none of them that we see ha- has the ability to be able to create that flow between the generations and have the skill set to be able to do that. So this is a this is not easy to do. Uh, we we take a lot of pride at Copper Peach to 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 advance that to our families as best we can. Uh, but it is going to be a strategy. So I don't want to lead anyone down a positive path here. It's it's difficult to create this. Difficult to make this happen, but you got to keep trying because if you don't try, it has negative impact potentially to generation two to three. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's something that again we'll get into some case studies in a subsequent podcast um, on how again some illustrations in terms of how this upline planning has really helped. Uh, but I think for now, hopefully, this was a good maybe primer and maybe thinking differently about doing planning. Unfortunately. You know the challenge for the Gen Two in this conversation is it, it not only do does Generation Two have to worry about their own planning, but also potentially you know Generation One, who again from time to time, depending on the family, might not be as um, let's say well versed in this type of planning in terms of all the impact that it can have. Yeah, well, it's helping it along uh, this conversation these days. And again, not, I don't want to get political. But I think everybody is listening to this podcast, and I think instinctively feel that we are in a very, very strange world right now. It's very difficult to maneuver through it, whether it's what's going on in Washington, what's going on with around the world with inflation, with uh, high taxes, with uh, not really knowing where the world's going to be heading. So it's difficult to do planning. But it emphasizes more importantly how families should come together more closely now to protect. And Michael mentioned asset protection. That's a hot, big theme that we're we're having multiple conversations with all the generations with our families to make sure that that whatever you built, you protect from we call the in-laws and outlaws. It's a little 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 joke, but we say that all the time. But it but it's getting more focused upon now that families are now saying, hey, we built this wealth. How do we protect it? So it's so it's easy now to go to G one and say, 
it's now a, a, a different world. It's not simple anymore. We need to take a look at your asset structure, make sure we maximize it to G2 to G3, because we don't want to waste it to, uh, to, uh, to that risk that we're exposed to globally. Again, we all hope that everything balances out, everything gets back to normal, but what's normal? No one knows what that is anymore. So it's a it's a challenge. So it's a psychological thing. It's pressure on, on us as advisors to stay on top of this uh, information for our families, uh, to to sit back and not pay attention to it. Uh, as an advisor, I think I think it's a it's it's a risk uh, that you have by uh, not maintaining that relationship with that family going forward. I don't know, Mike. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Well, yeah, there's a lot of you know the a lot of statistics around that. I think. In, from an advisory perspective in terms of the amount of, I don't know the statistics, the latest statistics off the top of my head, but it, I mean, a sizable, sizable, sizable majority of um, assets or value that gets inherited by the next generation doesn't, they, they end up not working with the re- relationship that mom and dad worked with because they either have their own relationships or um, they don't see the value in, in that prior relationship, whatever it is. But that again, just is more of a, I, I guess you can say uh, it's the, really the philosophy that we've had is to try to avoid that um, again to help families to coordinate that generationally, but also just as a just a pure business model. Yeah, there's so much yeah. risk in that. I mean, if you think about that, if you don't coordinate the the estates, the risk of, or at least from an advisor capacity as well, the risk is that your your kids could uh, uh, not hire or not keep in place the current advisors that. But you know, Michael, Michael just brought up with mom and dad have that it's going to be a a a, a risk of of who who's going to who's going to control it now who's who's going to make the decisions for the family who's going to be the the advisor that's going to guide everybody it it just causes more conflict so the easier we can make it for families from a strategic positioning standpoint as an advisor I think it's better for the family and also us as advisors to keep on top of all these issues Michael. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great podcast here, and and I'm looking forward to digging in a little bit more in in the next one on some case studies that hopefully illustrate some of these topics a little bit more clearly. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just challenge the listeners again. We do that frequently with our podcasts. You, you got to pay attention. You have to go back to your advisors and push them. Be proactive. I know you don't know what questions to ask. But it's it's important you sit down with your advisors and say, listen, what's going on that I should be aware of, and wh- where can you help me to protect and preserve the wealth that I have, and how do I protect my family and my kids going forward? You need to be proactive, and I'm, I'm not trying to preach here, but we see a huge weakness in that. It's time to push back because it's critical that you do so. Just giving you my my uh, my personal view at this point. All right. Yeah, it's important to talk about this stuff, but you know, people don't want to talk about money. But they have to. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's... our point. They have to start learning to All do right. that. I'm going to tell my dad that you guys said so. We'll talk to dad. <laughs> tell dad that we won't have to do a Zoom meeting with dad. Okay. Get him on, get right, him, get cool. him on track. We'll no, I, I, I don't mean to, to preach, but it's it's so important that it, it's not it's not the same world it was 20 years ago. It's different, and we have to handle things differently. And I think I said in some podcasts in the past that I think our our advisory community has gotten a little lazy about how we approach our clients because it is complex to the advisor as well. And they're not educated potentially in how to handle these kind of issues. 
uh, but they should start addressing it because it's critical to help guide their their current uh, relationships to the next kind of next step in their lives. Yeah, and and oftentimes the next generation is not they're not they're just not frankly aware of what responsibilities they're going to have to manage that, uh, and and sometimes it's not even a very complex estate that's in that upline generation necessarily, but it's still more the information surrounding this. Even if you have a, a rental property, as an example, you know, who, who is responsible for continuing that, that obligation, notifying the tenants, you know, should the building be sold or continued on from an ownership standpoint of the family, or who's going to be responsible for managing that property? You know, all of those sorts of it really has nothing to do necessarily with where or how the ownership of that asset gets transferred to the next generation, but how that gets managed. And that's such a, a vitally important uh, component to look to. And again, the next generation who very often has families of their own, they might be running companies of their own, you know, to not have that communicated properly, it just sets up, you know, let's say a, a, a more complicated uh, asset transition that again, yeah, w- you know, our philosophy is that communication should be done ahead of time to make sure that everybody is on the same page with how that's all going to be run. In fact, we were talking about it's been a little while since we've done our own family meeting, you know, for our family. And that's going to be something that we're going to try to do around the holidays because, you know, it, it needs to be maintained. It's hard to do, but it's vitally important from our perspective. It's yeah, an effort I'm, I'm, to keep everybody on the same page so that everybody can um, have the the biggest benefit, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. And minimize family conflict. We've talked a lot about that on the podcast. These family meetings can help, you know, minimize that as well, because there's, you know, everybody's in the same room. There's no, you know, conversation, one-on-one conversations necessarily that, you know, one family member didn't hear. Um, and, and that can create some strife potentially. And so again, you know, these family meetings have a lot of value, but specifically when you're looking at the what we're talking about here today, generation two, understanding what generation one has in place so that when ultimately, you know, they become responsible for that, there aren't as many, hopefully any surprises with regard to what mom and dad did, because that uh, very often is a significant burden on the next generation um, to manage all that. So, yeah, again, it's challenging. Um, you know, like you said, Wendy, it's hard to, hard to get dad to maybe talk about some of that stuff, but, um, you know, we've had some pretty good success with, I think, at least being the catalyst for that conversation to happen, um, and take our families out of the middle from trying to coordinate all that. Right. Yeah. I'll, I'll close with this. I have a favorite saying, I've said it before. You don't know what you don't know. The reason why we've done these podcasts for the last couple of years is to educate not only the clients that were potential uh, individuals that might want to learn about certain techniques or certain topics, but also for for the advisor community. We've got feedback from a lot of our advisors that like what not Michael and I talk about. But here's a suggestion, because we, we, we're only one small company, Copper Beach. We can't represent everybody out there, but you could push out these podcasts because we spent a lot of time dissected what topics to talk about, which we think will be helpful for the community, but push these out, hit the like button as they talk about when they talk <laughs> about YouTube, but just get those podcasts out there. If you care about someone enough, set up a couple podcasts on how to write a legacy letter or what trust me, how do they operate? All the things we've talked about in our podcast can help people think through 
questions they that they, they could say, you know what? I'm going to ask my advisor about that trust that Michael and John at the Copper Peach Podcast talked about because I think it's something I should be I should be thinking about for my family. So push these podcasts out. Uh, we 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 do these for for a very important reason, as purely from the education standpoint of the world around us. That's that's the best I could. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good message. It's a very good message. Well, thank you guys. We appreciate you being here, and thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. As John mentioned, until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. American Portfolios and Copper Beach Financial Group are not affiliated with any other named business entities mentioned.